I'm Jackie Lockie, your financial planning maestro. This series of podcasts is aimed at financial planning professionals and also those who are looking to enter the financial planning profession. We will be talking during the podcast about all things Certified Financial Planner certification related, talking to other CFPs around the world, and also we will be dropping in on some new entrants who've just entered the financial planning profession, and we'll be checking up along the way on a regular basis with them to see how they're getting on. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hello and welcome. I'm Jackie Lockie, your financial planning maestro. And in today's session, we are talking all things certified financial planner related with someone who has recently passed their CFP certification in the UK, and that is Daniel Ryan. Welcome, Daniel. Hi, Jacqueline. Thanks for having me. Uh, yes, great to have you. We are going to talk all the get into the nitty gritty of how you got on with your case study, aren't we, in a minute? Great. But first of all, I've got a couple of questions for you before we get into all of that detail. Just give us a a quick run through of your professional working life and how you got into the financial planning profession. Yes, of course. So, um, well, technically, I'm actually in a wealth management uh, profession, um, which over the years has seemed to have morphed into being more advice led um, Mm -hmm. through financial planning. So um, as I see my role um, slightly changing over the years that I I started, um, I started approximately 21, 22 years ago. And actually, it was a school leaver program that I entered um, in the financial services industry where I was learning more about the operational side of um, banking businesses and wealth management businesses. Um, I was doing that, did that for about three years. uh, And then I was, um, I had the very um, fortunate uh, luck to be able to go on the front line um, and that's working directly with clients first as some as support um, but then as a um, uh, a client advisor or, or stroke wealth manager yeah. um, but my current role is a private banker but that is encompassing of everything for a private client um, in terms of the uh, the advice-led process um, which has driven me down the CFP route. Mm. Excellent, excellent. So you've kind of had a few varying roles then, and were you one of the people that kind of fell into this uh, as a as a you know a more mature student, or did you just kind of you it was a conscious decision to get into you know wealth management and private banking side of things? Well, when I first started my career, um, it was very much uh, I fell into it. Um, <laughs> family situation <laughs> where my mother said, "If you don't find a job, I'm kicking you out of your home." Um, I managed to find a job, so um, I <laughs> fell into financial services. But actually, when I started the started that journey, I, I really did enjoy working with clients. So my my always my my background and my sort of determination was to be that advisor, that trusted advisor for my clients, and that has then pushed me over time through the investment part and then through uh, the financial planning part. Yeah, interesting. And was there anything in particular that you enjoy or have enjoyed and do enjoy about giving advice to clients? Any particular aspects of it? Yeah, well, it, it's um, it's very interesting you say that because there is a lot of things that I enjoy about it, to be honest. Um, typically, the clients I work with are entrepreneurs. Um, they are very successful in what they do. Um, they've managed to grow grow very large businesses and sell them for very large sums. Um, some of them, not all of them, I, I, I hate to add. But it's great when someone like that 
just depends on you so much for their own mm. financial life and their family. And building strategies and, and building a plan for clients is what I love. Um, and uh, I'm sure I'll probably continue doing it for another 20 years or so. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear. That's great to hear. And I think, you know, everybody has their strengths in life, don't they? And if if you've, you're dealing with, you know, successful entrepreneurs, they can't be everything to all people. So they need, you know, good, reliable, you know, wealth managers and financial planners like like you to be able to, that they can lean on. And so they don't need to know everything about everything. No, exactly. And, you know, these, you know, some of my clients will range from the ages of, you know, late 20s to late 60s. And it, and it varies from obviously client to client, but it's always just really rewarding when, when they need to lean on you. And, and, and it's not just them, it's their whole family. You know, these are some clients I have are generational. So I'm looking after the children and they have with their different um, objectives and their, and their different challenges, which then you have to adapt to um, and which I just thoroughly enjoy. And just yeah. the last thing is the entrepreneur entrepreneurial space in the UK is such it's such a massive it's such a massive market and movement, um, and you meet so many different interesting businesses people, um, and it's it's quite funny it's it's always a nice dinner story to tell to your friends and, and who you've met and what kind of thing they're working on because there's so many great innovative people in the UK. Yeah, I'm used to when I used to work at the accountancy firm giving advice there, there were some fantastic clients, three young guys who started a building contract. They used to renovate all of the um, university housing for students in the Bristol area. Mm. And it was absolutely fascinating how they looked at risk because they Mm. were taking a colossal amount of risk, obviously, on a day to day basis. They employed a team of building contractors um, to, you know, to renovate all of these buildings uh, so the overheads were huge, uh, outlays massive. And there were three young guys with three young families and they would come to me and say, oh, Jackie, you know, we don't really want to take any risk. You know, I know that we're only like 25 or whatever, but but we're taking all of our risk in our business. And, the, you know, they kind of want to balance it out with the scales. Um, mm. And it's really interesting to talk them through those kind of dilemmas when they know mm. a lot about one area, but don't know much about investment, isn't it? Yeah, no, quite, quite right. And um, yeah, like I said, it's just, it's great when different people, different, with different backgrounds, different educations, just all need this help. And um, I I love, I love doing it, you know, quite honestly. Excellent. So tell me, how did all of that lead you to the door of the Certified Financial Planner Assessment? Well, it was, it was a few years ago um, when I was looking at, um, furthering my my knowledge really um about what I do and this was actually during the pandemic because what I found in my current role is that we were going down the the route of being more advice-led um and my current position is that I don't actually give any formal advice you know what I do is I I I review the client situation I spot the opportunity I talk to talk to them about it at a high level and then I bring someone in to actually write the advice for me um, so I'm quite fortunate in that respect. I get all the all the good parts of it and, and none of the sort of administration with it. Um, but I found that and I thought that maybe my role might be slightly redundant because if you had that advisor coming in being me um, and writing me advice, then um, actually my role could be under, under a bit of pressure in the future. Yeah. So I thought, well, why don't I look at 
going down the financial planning route and seeing what qualifications there are, because I had done the PCAM through CISI, and um, that got me to a good um, investment knowledge uh, level, I believed. Yeah. And so I thought, well, let's go on the financial planning route, see what CISI had to offer. So looking at the um, program that they had was obviously they had the advanced level, advanced financial planning level six, um, which I looked at the paper, um, looked at some past papers, and thought, well, oh, actually, why don't I have a crack at that? And this, like I said, this was this was in 2021 at this point. Um, and I had a bit more time on my hands while I was working. I just had a bit more time on the weekends and, and the like. And um, yeah, I just decided to take that exam. And I thought the the next step to it will be the level seven. And I quite honestly, I didn't know if I was going to take it at that point. I, I was looking at it thinking level six PCAM, level six financial advanced financial planning, that's probably going to be enough. But unfortunately with um with my own um my own sort of internal battles that i have in myself every so often i always want to do more <laughs> and <laughs> i was then i was unanaring about level seven and um i thought well actually it's a case study it's something a bit different um it's something that you know i can really put some real life experience into um and some of the knowledge that i picked up on level six uh, to build something for um for this for this plan so I, I just jumped in with two two feet, and I'd be honest, I didn't really know the full um, the full amount of work that would be um, that needs to be put input into this um, qualification um, mm. in, in respect of certain things that we'll talk about later, I'm sure. Um, but I, I, it was a bit of a leap of faith, really, and maybe a bit of stupidity. But I thought, why don't I have a look at it, and why not do it? And I and I, and I put myself forward. And that was that, and then that, and that started. <laughs> Excellent. And so tell us a little bit about, you know, what your experience was like going through the case study. And I know that many of our listeners want to hear about, you know, the the good bits that you really enjoyed, but also the tough bits that you had, you know, sticky issues with or took extra time to bend your head around. Yeah, of course. So I think from from the things that I enjoyed, uh, this is probably going to sound quite sad, actually, but I enjoyed writing it up. I enjoyed being able to look at the case study initially, um, have my initial thoughts on what I think should be considered for the two individuals that I had in my case study, um, and actually putting the paper together and writing it up. It felt, I felt a bit more, I felt a bit like I'd um, achieved something that I've, it was a bit different to an exam. Um, And that's what I really enjoyed about it, because with examination, you can really learn the answers. But with this, you have to adapt and you have to think about, okay, if I put this into section six, for example, how does it affect the rest of the plan? So it made me think outside the box. It made me lean on real life experience. It made me lean on the advanced financial planning exam I'd taken previously. And that's what I enjoyed about it. It really did test me. Um, the sticky parts of it, well, like I said, I jumped in, in with it two feet without really not understanding the full amount of work that was involved. Um, and I think the the parts that um, I'm very grateful for your assistance, of course, was what I didn't realise was around the cash flow. Um, and that was the toughest thing that I, I found um, in terms of building that spreadsheet um, and actually understanding that I needed one in the first place. Um, to actually write up the report, that I would that I would say was probably the the hardest and, and the stickiest point um, yeah. in terms of getting that together. And I think you, you know you're not alone. Many people think that 
um, you know, getting to grips with a case study or can I use my own software that maybe I use in my business? Mm. And and if you don't, you you know, getting your head around, you know, quite a lot of us have, you know, fairly basic rudimentary knowledge of how to use Excel because we don't really need it anymore with yeah. proprietary software around, do we? So actually getting into the bowels of how Excel works and making it work properly and finding your problems and what does that formula mean and all of those kind of things, they kind of make your head spin a bit, don't they? Yeah, exactly that. I, I, for me, it was very much starting from the from the like beginning. You know, I, I'm I can use Excel to a certain degree, but not to the extent that the they require to build mm. to build, effectively build a cash flow. So, leaning on your experience and and your course, I would I managed to build the cash flow. But then I was teaching myself um, other formulas to add into the, my cash flow, where my my client situation required it um so that was really tough and and there would be no i would be you know looking at one formula really for an hour or so but as soon as i cracked it i mean it was all made sense but it's just about building it and putting it in the right place um for the for the right situation so that was definitely the the toughest part of the the qualification really yeah and i quite often find i don't know if you found this but i quite often find that when you get to those tough situations and you kind of think right okay well you know can I you know like you were saying can I apply the knowledge that I've got and just kind of take the labels off it you know because if I'm doing a retirement planning spreadsheet you know the Excel doesn't know it's retirement planning does it you know it's just Mm. running a formula and numbers so can I take away the labels can I write out longhand you know what it is that I'm trying to achieve so that I can kind of batch out different parts of a formulae so I'm kind of not battling with the whole thing for hours on end you know how did you approach kind of breaking it down well actually on (laughs) on some occasions I went back to basics I actually wrote down the formula in paper format yeah I was going oh okay how do I uh, and when when a formula didn't work for example um I would write it down and say okay what where am I missing something that should be input in this formula um, and I can't remember exactly what formula it was, but I managed to crack it by doing that rather than just typing it in and looking at cell after cell because you just you just do get a, you just need a fresh set of eyes sometimes. The other the other strategy is just walk away. Um, I'd walk away and take a breather and think, you know what, I'll just have a crack at that tomorrow um, or the next time I get an opportunity to do so um, because you know sometimes you just looking at over and looking it on a cell over and over doesn't always um, provide the best results. You just need to get a fresh set of eyes and, and maybe refresh yourself, really. Yes, and that's the definition of insanity, isn't it? Um, doing the same thing over and over again, yeah, expecting a different right. result. <laughs> I'm with you on that one, though, completely. <laughs> Having done my CFP many moons ago now, I'm battling with a spreadsheet. I feel your pain. Um, so, you know, other than the spreadsheets, did you find, you know, like through the course, you know, we concentrated a lot on spreadsheets first, didn't we? And there's all this, you know, there's this urge that I was trying to encourage all of you to overcome, not to write too much, not to jump ahead for the recommendations or everything, but to actually let the numbers do the talking first. Did, Did you find that aspect quite easy to kind of get your head around or was that kind of one of the areas where you were kind of like I need to itching to type something uh, no actually because um I, I wasn't really itching to type stuff I I I wanted to get the cash flow right and make sure that the numbers worked 
I think from the, the writing perspective, um, you know, I wrote the introduction quite early, um, to be honest. Um, but then the remaining stuff, I knew what I was going to write and I wasn't really itching to write it because I just, I wanted to ensure that I did it within your, um, your pathway as, as you suggest within your course, Yeah. because I, I very came very quickly came to the idea and, and understanding that whatever you learn within your current role um, and whatever reports you have internally within your own business, it's not what the examiner is looking for. The examiner is looking for pure understanding of their set criteria. So even our own internal reports um, where I am now is that um, they are so different from the report I, I wrote. Um, and because we look for certain things and we advise on certain things different to what the examiner was looking for. So I wasn't really really tempted to write too much um i was happy to wait um to go in 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 tandem with the pathway um as and when the cash flow was as as when the cash flow was prepared um i think that's yeah really it in summary i, I think that was it, it was just getting that cash flow done however just yeah just was the was the hardest the hardest thing to do i guess sometimes you've just got to trust the process haven't you and kind of immerse yourself in it knowing or trusting that you'll come out okay at the other end um which of course you did because yeah. you were successful <laughs> so well, exactly that jacqueline because you know i've, I've obviously gone on I've, i did my research in terms of um who's going to help me support me do this uh, undertake this um, qualification and if I'm going to go to a tutor and then not follow their, their guidance and they put many people through it, I think I'd been a bit silly. So um, I was trusting trusting yourself and, and your pathway, in which obviously yielded the results. Yes, absolutely. Well, congratulations again. I know I've already congratulated probably dozens of times now, haven't I? But, <laughs> but uh, you know, that's okay. You can carry on. You carry <laughs> on. Take it. <laughs> So, you know, looking back on the process now, do you have a feel for roughly how many hours it took you from kind of start to finish? I would say it, it was definitely easily 200 hours, easily yeah. uh, for me. Probably a bit more than that as well. Um, because I know I keep going back to the cash flow. There were some times where, um, and I know you had told me not to do this, <laughs> I would just mess around with it and just see if there was any other outcomes um, and that would take me an extra few hours then to put it back to where it started as a, as a base. <laughs> so I, I was, I was really number mad on it, to be honest. Um, but I think, you know, once, once the cash flow is prepared, which is the majority of the time, as you mentioned, it, you, you did writing the report was, was really quite honestly the, the easier part. But I, I think in, in total 200 hours, really maybe 250 is probably the time you need you need dedicated to it. Yeah, and it, I was going to say it's not just the you know the doing time; it's the, that that thinking time, like you were saying, going away, taking a break, letting your brain wind down a little bit, coming back, then having other ideas and thinking, oh, maybe that works. You know, all of that it, you know needs to be factored in, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, it really does because there'll be times where um, I've taken a step away from the desk on on the weekend or whatever it might be. And then my other half's talking to me and she goes, you're still thinking about the spreadsheet, aren't you? And I'll be like, yeah, because I, I was. I was thinking, oh, what if I did it this way? So um, if you take into account all of that, it would definitely be, um, you know, more than 250, most likely. But um, I think sitting down and, and actually applying yourself is, is probably that length of time. 
Wow, fantastic. Well, well done for persevering um, because, you know, there aren't that many certified financial planners in the UK, um, you know, around 1,000 mark at the moment. So you are one of a very few um, number of people who have achieved that. So, um, you know, you deserve every success. So tell us a little bit about now. It's it's what, few, well, how, how long is it? A few months now since yeah, you... Yeah, a few months since I got the, um, the letter, that's right. I got the letter and <clears throat> was dancing around the kitchen. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about now you've had chance to reflect on the whole process um, and, you know, all the challenges and all the things that forced you down all the little rabbit holes and all the rest of it and back out again. Has it changed the way that you approach giving advice or the way you would structure or write a financial plan now? Yeah, for it definitely has. I mean, for the clients I, I work with, um, it's, you know, it's, it's a little, it's very really little things that um, have changed sort of my habits. You know, it's been, you know, planning better for meetings, you know, getting, wanting to ensure that I get the right outcomes for, for the clients um, in those meetings. Whereas before I would plan for them, but I wouldn't be as probably as conscious as I am about things that I definitely need to ensure that I get the answer to. Um, so I can, uh, so I can offer that you know, guidance and advice to them later on down the line. Um, that type of thing for sure. Um, even just just little things. I know I said I don't actually write the advice, but I, you know, just writing meeting notes and file notes um, for clients. Um, I, I go a bit more in depth because I I know that we need to have m- more information on file to ensure that we can actually really deliver a good outcome for for the client. So it's definitely changed probably more subconsciously more than um oh and, and actively as well yeah really to be to be honest um how how i how i operate with with clients and and the other thing is it's also just flagged up with me these the smaller little things that i have to be conscious of um you know clients i work with are, are typically wealthier um than than the average person on the street and but it's it's little things like you know NIC contributions, making sure that they've done those. Um, you know ISA contributions, make sure they've done those. You know, typically we we wouldn't really consider that all the time yeah. um, for certain wealthier clients because they would say, well, what's the point? Um, you know, it's twenty thousand pounds a year for my ISA contribution. I don't need it. But actually, being able to demonstrate and say, well, this is why you need it, and this is why you should consider it. Um, you know, over the course of 10, 20, 30 years of investment. Um, is definitely something that um, has helped me. I, I think that maybe some other people to go through this course, they're probably doing that already anyway. But I think from from my perspective, it's definitely helped me from the, for the things that I wouldn't see or wouldn't really need to consider on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. And do you think it's changed the way, you know, you were talking about there about your pre-meeting preparation and information that you definitely wanted to know from the clients when you meet them. Do you think that that has helped your skills with asking better client questions along the way? Yeah, I do. I, I do, actually. I, I think it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm very much a curious person anyway, and I would like to, you know, ask clients or people I'm speaking to why they're doing certain things. But I think with this as well, it's definitely pushed me down certain avenues with with my questioning when probably in the past i've i've really i thought well do i really need to ask that question um probably not but so i won't bother whereas actually it's, it's actually a good um understanding the client but also it, it does actually give you that sort of that credibility with the client because they 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 seem you're really interested if you're asking the really maybe 
smaller questions to, to everyday persons. But if you're asking them, they 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 feel to them. Well, my feeling is that they get uh, the trust and advice. You get that trust and advisor status, yeah. um, and they feel like you are really really interested in 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 what they have to say and what their life is about. So for sure, you know, it has definitely changed the way I approach things um, from that from that perspective. Yeah. yeah, and that's great to hear. And I think because of maybe because of the types of clients that you're you're commonly dealing with, that you know that entrepreneur set, that you know you need a really strong bond, don't you? Because they you want them to rely on you. You are kind of part of the furniture for you know for their professional lives. And so if that if that bond isn't isn't tight enough, isn't tough enough then, you know, I guess the clients, if they're, you know, it's the very busy, you know, running businesses and things like that, then, you know, you have to make them prioritise their financial well-being and that of their family in order to make those investment decisions and, you know, push the paperwork through and all of those kinds of things. And all of that helps smooth the pathway if you've got that strong bond. Quite, quite right. You know, I think that's the most important thing with the clients I work with is 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 that they they can trust you. Um, and if they can't, you'll never have a relationship with that individual. Um, and there's 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 certain ways of building that trust, and obviously having the the knowledge and ex, and, and experience which comes with time, of course, but the knowledge really um, to help them. Um, and once you start helping them, they they do really start to trust you, and then that's when the relationship really starts to build. Yeah. So I totally agree. Yeah, fantastic. So we are nearly out of time now, Daniel. So I'm just going to ask you one more question back to the CFP certification. And for those people who are listening, who are still sat on the fence about whether to embark on the CFP process, whether it's worth the 200 plus hours that you were mentioning earlier of all of that effort, putting it in uh, to gain their CFP certification, um, do you have any tips to share to encourage those people who are sat on the fence at the moment. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I think firstly, you've just you you said it earlier. You know, being one of a thousand people in the UK with that certification, I, I think that's that for me was definitely something that um, warmed me to the idea of being only one of a thousand people in the UK of having this qualification. It also just it just demonstrates that you've reached a certain level. Um, that you know not everyone can do can 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 reach um to that level um and with clients in in particular uh, i think it just shows that you know this is this is someone serious that we're talking to um who who really understands their um who really understands their craft yeah um the other type kind of tips i would say is you know if you are looking to embark on this um you you're going to need to ensure that you set some time and probably set some ground rules at home with the, your partners and children because I, I I had to do that I was very lucky I, you know I've got two children and I was able to take the time to do this um, because it is it's not something you you should really take lightly um, but um, with with that uh, with that you also need to ensure you set a timetable um, and I think a timetable is key. You plan, you plan it um, in advance, um, uh, in advance of the course, I think, um, is the best way to do it and, and keep to it. You know, you don't want to be saying, oh, I'm, I'm behind X chapter seven or whatever it might be because 
oh, I just wanted to go out or I had something to do. You know, make sure you keep to it. And and I there was a tip that I did. I, I was made I was able to say, you know what, I'll get up at seven on a Saturday morning or whatever it might be, quite early, have some breakfast, and then I would just work on it until like midday to one o'clock. And then I would take then I'd take the rest of the day off. You know, I'd spend the time with the family and the kids, um, which then you know, alleviated some of the pressure of, of managing children, but yeah. also doing doing the course. So I, I'll definitely um, ensure that, you know, you would have this timetable uh, and, and you keep to it. Um, I would <laughs> highly recommend that anyone who, who looks at doing your course does it. Um, I think that without it, I would have been lost. Without it, I wouldn't have passed, quite honestly. Um, and I know it's just your podcast here, Jacqueline, but um, it, it is... It is worth its weight in gold. You know, I had my reservations initially and then when I signed up and started looking through the course, I was thinking, this is brilliant because I now have my own timetable that I don't actually have to plan. <laughs> you know, it's already there for me. And then I'd say the, the last the, the last tip really is we all have our experiences in our current roles or wh- whatever we're doing, you know, whether we're in a bank or a wealth manager or, or a financial advisor. Um, and we can we have our experiences, we have our knowledge, but doing this is uh, and undertaking this re- this re- um, report is the examiner's report. It's not you know your your employer's report. So I would say n- not forget everything you know, but forget how you present a report because you need to meet certain guidelines which the examiner is is needing. Um, and some firms will do things differently and only report on certain things. So. I would say forget that in in some shape or form and what you do from a day-to-day basis and and work on what the examiner wants to see. Some fantastic tips there, Daniel. Thank you very much for joining me today. No problem at all. Thanks, Jacqueline. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It's really interesting, isn't it, to listen to other people's points of view about different things, all relating to our wonderful financial planning profession. If you know anyone who might be interested in listening to any of these podcasts, please pass on our details to them. So that's it from me. Join me again next time when we'll be talking all things Certified Financial Planner related and also dropping in on our new entrance to the financial planning profession. Bye for now.